it's free. Don't forget, your carrier charges for your cell phone provider may apply, though, so check with your cell provider to make sure. So ready? Here you go. Get a pen. Here's the number. Studio A is 712-432-6958, and Studio B is 716-748-0112. Thank you very much for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station in the world. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can ever guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. We have an amazingly, wonderfully magical lady on with us tonight. Her name is Kathleen Sherman, and 15 years ago, she and her husband, David, purchased 15 acres in Bethany, Connecticut. That's two parcels of land for those of you who are uh, not as realistic real estate oriented as I am, and they began to rescue animals from slaughter, neglect, and abuse situations. Over the years, they've saved hundreds of horses, dozens of sheep, goats, hens, roosters, many from the cockfights, dogs, cats, veal, calves, and more. Long before the world went wild over Esther the Wonder Pig, Lockett Meadows Farm had Ozzy Osborne, who weighed about 400 pounds and followed Kathleen everywhere. Uh, Autistic and Down syndrome adults have learned to ride independently on incredibly gentle horses, all of which came to the farm as throwaway or slaughter animals. Kathleen has offered programs for adolescent girls who suffered from bullying at no cost to those who couldn't afford it, which is most of the participants. Working with Kathleen's very special horse, Captain, the girls learned how to stand up for themselves and regain their confidence and self-esteem. What is, <clears throat> while it is a nonprofit, Kathleen and David do support the farm primarily out of their own pockets. She writes children's books and their animals and uh, helps to support the farm through her work as an animal communicator and medium. She's an amazing lady who has an amazing story. And at the top of the hour, uh, we'll be offering readings on your pets if you choose to call in, but wait till the top of the hour. So, Kathleen. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Barbara. Well, I, I have to t- tell you, I, I went to Lockett, Lockett's Meadow Farm, gosh, a long time ago. It was years ago. It was a while back. It had to be five years. Four, at, at least, maybe even more. And I have never, I, I 
have never had such a feeling of peace and amazing wonder as as I walked in because I I know I met Ozzy or Petunia I don't know which <clears throat> but but she she has dogs for sure <laughs> but um <laughs> but what she has what what greets you at the gate to the house is a four to six hundred pound pig. Yes. who who is just the friendliest thing ever and it comes charging at you squealing like like oh where have you been all my life and <laughs> and i mean there were ducks there there were hens there were <coughs> so many amazing animals that that you know you you get animal overwhelm immediately <laughs> there's there's more now when when you come back again you'll be really overwhelmed <laughs> well you know the cats i loved and but but and, and all of the animals are rescue. Yes. Yes. From one place or another. Every one of them has come from you know, the dogs, all of them were well, from the pound or I had to I flew down to Georgia to pick up the two little jack rat terriers and get them out of there. Um, the cats are all there's I have a room full of actually it's birds, it's parrots and cats, and five of the six cats in there are feral. Um I, there's so it's really it would take me the entire show just to go through and list everybody um but we have the normal pets too we really do and then we have everything else so well i think what amazed me was was how friendly they all are you know they they really are even you know one side of the farm is all horses and people who come to visit are always so surprised because all of the horses come to the fences and you can go to a lot of different horse farms and the horses all just kind of hang out there and do what they do. Our horses all come to the fences and say hello. And there's 30 of them. And, um, they're, they're incredibly friend, incredibly friendly. Even the ones that still have some issues that we haven't finished working through, they will all come and say hello. Well, I, I think what amazed me the most was it feels like it's Holy land. It really does. <clears throat> and, you know, this is a farm on the side of the road, and yet you st you step foot on the ground, and you suddenly feel not only grounded, but a part of history. And, you know, if, if, if old McDonald's farm had, had, had a, a real place on this earth plane, it would be yours because the animals are so full of love and acceptance. And now I wasn't going to make friends with your ducks. Or your chickens, <laughs> but but all of the animals, even even the cows and the um, the goats and the sheep, they all they all kind of welcome you in as though as though you know they they want to help you, they want to heal you. I mean, it is a healing place. It is just amazing. And before we came on the air, I was talking. You have these amazing, huge chimes in the trees. Yes. And it's like it's it felt to me almost as though the chimes were calling people in, were calling energy in. And it it's almost I, I don't know if you're on a vortex, but it sure felt like it. We we are. Actually we are. Even at the top of the hill where the largest chimes are. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand this when we moved there fifteen years ago. We we were kind of called to the property and at the time, I was still kind of burying the things that I could do. I just wanted to grow up and be normal. And I failed. Um, 
<laughs> badly. But when we came to the farm and it was, it was March and there was snow on the ground and it was just a little house in a garage. This house is about 230 years old. And I, that rattling is the pig kicking the side of her crate. So if you hear rattling in the background, it's a 600 pound pig in the kitchen. <laughs> Well, that's um, where he sleeps. So where she oh, sleeps. So, um, so anyway, I walked, I stood in the driveway and I looked up to the top of the hill and I didn't understand it at the time, but I knew I had to walk to the top of the hill and I stood there in my high heels. I'd just left work and, and I looked down in the snow and I said, I don't know what this energy is up here, but I need to understand it. And I didn't care what the house looked like. We were going to buy that house. We were going to live there, and I was going to figure it out. I didn't understand what a vortex was. Somebody came once and said, is there a vortex here? And I said, yeah, I think there is. And they said, but there has to be those twisty trees like they have out in, um, oh, gosh. What's, where is that? I, well, I can think of a Sedona. Sedona, right. They have to have the trees that twist. And I'm like, that one over there? And they look, and they're like, oh, wow, you have one right over it. <laughs> well, of course we do. <laughs> So, yeah, there's a vortex. And, and, you know, I've spent 15, 16 years now trying to understand it. What I have figured out is there is a vein of quartz that runs underneath the property. And alongside it, there's an underground river. Oh, wow. So it kind of amplifies the energy. And then once you add all of these animals to it and the energy that they bring, and I mean, their spirits are so incredibly beautiful and you throw that all into this mix and um, it's, it really does feel like holy ground. Well, you've saved every one of them from slaughter, from abuse, from neglect. I mean, they, they all came there to be healed. And what I, what I find so amazingly wonderful is you turned it around and you made it a healing place for humans as well. Yes, Yes. And that was not even in the beginning. It wasn't my idea at all. It, it, I, I, um, it sets me up. The place sets me up and I just keep walking into it. And you know, the <laughs> next, the next thing, you know, <laughs> and I had never planned to work with special needs people. It wasn't on my, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't on my list. And eight years ago, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm teaching, almost nine years ago, teaching autistic, autistic people how to ride horses. And these horses who have come from these terrible places, and we've rehabilitated them and, and just love them to pieces. And what they will do to give back is amazing. We, we had riding tonight. I had seven, well, six autistic adults and one Down syndrome. And most of them at this point can ride independently because they ride these horses that are, they're so gentle and so careful and they're so in tune with these people. And, um, it's, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm high at the end of every Monday night. I just leave there and I'm just high and happy. Well, you have videos of that on your Facebook page, I think, don't you? Probably. I think so. There yeah, I'm pretty sure you do. Because I've I've seen, now I taught special ed kids for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I can identify with um, the energy you work with. And, and, and frankly, to be honest with you, I, I think there is nothing more loving than a Down syndrome child or an autistic child. And the fact that the, the animals sense 
the the they sense the kids and it's almost yeah you know, did you see avatar the movie no no <laughs> well in the movie there's a place where where the um <clears throat> the people who live on this pan- this planet pandora are able to link themselves to the these animals that they fly and and there is a there's literally a physical link to the animal and so they are able to think share thoughts and that's the feeling I got when I saw these kids on the horses because it felt like they trusted the horses where they may not trust people they trusted the horses I and think the- you're right. <clears throat> it is a sharing it is a sharing of thoughts it really is I know that so now I have to watch that movie which would require making an effort and staying up late <laughs> you know what it's worth the effort it's okay. totally worth the effort um <clears throat> but so so you're you're you know 16 years into this project did you really decide to go from corporate new york city to a farm in connecticut and become a rescue place i you know when i was when i was a little girl um I always saw myself growing up and being surrounded by animals. We had a few animals when I was a child, but obviously not 150. Um, (laughs) And so it was kind of the vision I had for myself. We bought this farm and I, my husband and I were just getting married. This is our second marriage for both of us. And we bought this farm and it was against his wishes because he was, he was not an animal person. When I first met him, one of the first things he said to me when I was describing that I had, you know, goats in my backyard in the beach house, um, and he said, oh, I'm not an animal person. And um, it was was hard. He worked in New York City. I had worked in New York City. And him making the adjustment was difficult. Me, I was like, okay, this is it. (laughs) Because everywhere I go on this farm... You know, I'm I'm alone as a person most of the day. You know, I'm I'm working with these animals on my own, but everywhere I go, I'm having a conversation, and huh. I don't feel alone. It's I really I like them as I don't want to say they're people because they're I'm afraid they're better than people. Um, they probably are. I well, I I think most of them actually are. Um, but I'm never, you know, I never feel alone. I always feel at home. I always feel welcome. This is exactly what I wanted, uh, but was, was fighting for a long time in my, you know, I was an odd child. So my quest to be normal took over. And then again, I failed. So yes, this is normal for me. It's normal. I'm sitting in a kitchen with three cats and a pig and <laughs> on a farm with, you know, close to 150 animals and this is where I'm happy well you know what uh, what I find fascinating is that um you you really do talk to them and you know most people go nice doggy nice kitty but you really talk to them and they really talk back well that's (laughs) (laughs) And they, sometimes they're talking back. I mean, it depends on, you know, it's interesting. Different animals have different, um, I mean, all animals have their own personality, but certain kinds of animals have, all right, for example, how many people pay any attention to sparrows? Sparrows are everywhere. Mm-hmm. They are such a bunch of smart asses. 
And if you spend, you know, and they can be very sweet, but they have this edge to them when they're talking. And um, when I when I finally figured that out, because I had one in my house, it was this baby that had hatched that had half a wing and he was never going to be able to fly. And um, my cat, Julie, had 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 brought it in. And I yelled at the cat, don't you ever, ever, ever. And she just like looks at me and says, I thought you'd want this one. And she drops it. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, God, baby bird, half a wing. Crap. It was, you know, hatched that way. Yeah. Brought him in and he was and he just reamed me out. And um, and I'm like, why are you so mad at me? I am. I'm trying really hard to understand. And finally, I'm like, just tell me your name because they'll tell you your name. Just tell me your name. And he kept saying something like, I thought it was Joey. And finally, he's like, Joey, Joey. I'm like, Joey, what the heck is that? And he says, just one wing, you idiot. <laughs> J-O-W-Y-I. And I'm like, you creep. <laughs> <laughs> So I refused to call him Joey because it was referring to me being an idiot. And he was Jojo the okay. whole time he was with me. Um, but but after a while, you know, sparrows in general are smart, Alex. Um, so I, I've learned I've learned a lot now that I can hear all of these things so clearly, especially on the farm. The animals are much more clear here. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, different cows, steers, they're, they're, they're gentler, they're quieter. Um, and I've never had one of them be a smart aleck to me. Um, goats, on the other hand, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's, been, it's been an education, that's for sure. So what turned your husband into a, a, an animal lover? from you know being a, I don't like animals oh god it was a goat it was a little goat and um he I had had back surgery and now I realize years later that it was a total setup I slipped on the ice you'd think it was getting tossed off a horse but I just slipped on the ice and herniated a disc and it fragmented and I was in bed for weeks until I could get to the surgery so I could not trim the goat's hooves and they were getting long and I, it was months before I was able to do anything like that again. So he went out there and he was going to trim the hooves, which mm -hmm. believe me, you know, he had to come in and change out of his Brooks brother's suit when he got home from work and haul his butt out there. And he's fighting with this little goat. And, and as he is just trying, I know she's trying because she always tried. And finally he yells at her. And instead of being upset, she took her head and she laid it on his shoulder. And he heard her say, it's okay, Dad. I know how hard you're trying. <laughs> and he burst into tears. And, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, that would, that would kind of do it for me, too. He just burst into tears, came into the house, told me he'd finally heard a voice. And it was because he was being, you know, he was thinking he was being really mean to her. And she was just like, it's okay, Dad. And that was it. And it, it took him a while to, to really accept what had just happened to him. Um, but he's got it now. 
He's got it now. He's, wow. you know, I'm not saying he hears everything perfectly clearly, but he has it. You know, he'll have a feeling. He'll have mm-hmm. a feeling. Oh my God, I got to go check on the, on the pigs and he'll run outside and one of them will have one of their, you know, their teeth caught in a fence or something. So he's, um, he's doing good. He's doing good. We, well, we like- you know, you, you do have an unusual house in that it's, it's small and it's old and you would expect a lot of cats come, come on, it's a farm, but, but to have a 400 pound pig sleeping in your kitchen and then you have, do you still have the parrots? Oh, yes. Yeah, there's uh, there's seven of them in the par- in the bird room with the cats, with the feral cats. <laughs> no. They do fine. They do fine. They do very well together. I, what am I going to say? They, I have no complaints about how they, how they get along. They, they talk to each other. They've got it figured out. Well, and <clears throat> what I really love is that, you know, when you walk around and, and, you know, mud boots are, are a must there. Um, the, the, the uh, paddocks, the corrals for the horses, the horses all come up to talk to you. They come and, and you've got some that look like Clydesdales to me. And then yeah. you've, got, you've got other horses that look like they were race horses. And I mean, they're just all so beautiful and well-loved. And, you know, I, I, I know they all have to know that, that you saved them. And that, that they're in a place of healing and love, and they will never ever be abused again. Which is just—I mean, if I had my way, I would go to these places where they have all these cats and everything, and I just bring all the cats and dogs home. But mm-hmm. but they'd fill the cages up again. So you know, it does get to the point where, you know, how do you um, <clears throat> how do you do it? How do how do you know what to take or who to take or what to accept? Have you ever turned an animal down? Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I just got something today and I'm like, no, no, not another rooster. Um, <laughs> we get, we get requests to take roosters almost every day. People take, they go out and they buy the little baby chicks and they're guaranteed that they're all female, they're all hens and they are not. And then they start crowing and the neighbors complain and we get these calls. Um, we can't take can't take any more roosters at one point we had 14 people were just dumping them but they fight with each other and they they will kill each other um and you have to have we we build rooster condos for them so they're all it's really kind of cute they're they're these cubes they're pretty big you know like four by four by four you know Mm -hmm. and they're next to each other and they've got wire fencing in between so they can yell at each other and I mean really roosters spend their entire day just going yo your mama you know to each other that's what they do (laughs) and they have a really good time doing that but if they can't get at each other and hurt each other then it's just, it's high entertainment for them to be alongside each other. So we have, we're down to four right now um, because that's really all we can comfortably take care of. There, we just can't have an entire farm filled with, you know, it can't be a rooster co-op. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so what was the very first animal you rescued at the farm? It was, it was a horse. It was a horse. Um, and he's still here. When we moved here, we, we bought the one side of the farm and I brought all of my animals over from the beach house. And, um, and the next year we bought the other side of the farm 
And I had known about the Premarin industry, but not like, you know, I hadn't done a lot of research. Now I'm encyclopedic. Um, but somebody had hung um, something up on the bulletin board with all of these pictures of these foals that were available that would go to slaughter if they weren't pulled out of this industry. Ah. Well, there was this picture of this one little guy in the middle, this little Appaloosa baby standing next to his mama. And I saw him and I was like, oh my God, there's something about that horse. So I went online and I looked it up and he was marked as having been saved. And I was like, okay, good. I don't have to worry about him. Well, I went back in a few days later and he was no longer on the reserved list. And then the next day he was again. And it went back and forth for a week. And finally, I'm like, I can't take it. I have to know he's safe. There's something special about this guy. I mean, they're all special, but, you know. Mm -hmm. So I called and I, and I said, okay, what is it about that little appy? And I gave them the number. And they said, oh, that one. We keep ca we're calling that one the foal of doom. Oh, I'm God. Like, God, why? Well, three different women had reserved him. And then they went and they told their husbands that they were going to get this, this foal. And their husband said, you get that horse and I'm going to divorce you. Three women were threatened with divorce. Wow. Three women backed out. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I am going to put a deposit. I'm going to get that foal. And if my husband says I can't, tough. And that's the end of that. So, um, and, and Benny came here at four months old and there were two other babies that came on that load. I didn't want him to be by himself. I was going to um, adopt the others out. And that's not true. The, out of the six that came that first year, five are still here. But they've all been very well trained and they all teach, they all do lessons. So, um, but Benny was the one who got me, he sucked me into horse rescue and that was, that was it. And then from there on in, we would, bring in we would have at least 20 to 40 horses a year go through the farm and you and you find good homes for them or yep. yeah we have found homes for many of them um and then when it was probably six or seven years ago um the pmu industry started to decline because of course they found out that premarin was a bad thing to take mm -hmm. um so they started closing down the farms and we ended up bringing in a lot of the pregnant mares because they were sending them all to slaughter. Oh my gosh. So we had a lot of babies born on the farm. Some of them are still here. Some were adopted out. And then after that, when the economy really tanked, everybody was giving up their horses and um, sending them to auction. Well, you send your horse to auction, you might as well just send it right straight to the slaughter yards because huge numbers of them are bought in big batches and loaded onto trucks sent to kill pens where they hang out until there's enough to fill the really big trailers and bring them to either um, Mexico or Canada. So we were bringing in, oh Lordy, I was sending trailers down to Kentucky. One summer we brought up 25 horses from one, one kill pen in Kentucky. We still have a few um, and the rest of them we adopted out. So it, it just goes in stages as to what horses need the most help. Well, I know that um, I've, I've been there and I've walked the farm maybe twice. And you have one of the most impressive indoor riding rings ever. It's beautiful. We designed it's, that. Yep. It's I, beautiful. 
I could live there if I could afford to heat it. Uh, uh, it it's it's huge. And you know, when you when you see what you do with with kids and adults who are in need of of unconditional love, and and that's that's what's so special about all of these animals. Um, almost any well any animal will give you unconditional love, and that is one of the most precious gifts that you that anyone can get. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so it's really it's it's an amazing experience to to take an animal that, that has been abused that I I've had a feral cat here and I worked for almost three years to get her to trust me enough to come downstairs and sit on my lap and roll over and let me scratch her belly. And you know, when, when that happens, when, when an animal gives you that gift, you feel like you've been given a billion dollars. It's it, it, especially with cats, they are really hard to bring around that's oh we've we've had a few that were hardcore feral and the day they let you just touch them a little bit are you how high are you oh my gosh it's like what just happened and they look at you like what yeah you know and and i just i mean patrick brought this this feral cat with him when he came from california she lived in the closet upstairs the entire time she was here and Every every day when I would walk home, I would look to the top of the stairs, and there was a kind of railing she could peek through. And her name was Skitsy because she was. Yeah. And and it would you know it would be hi how are you you know I'm really glad you're there and and I still see her to this day. She passed away a number of years ago, but but she is still up there and she still welcomes me home so often it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 an amazing gift that that animals do give you. When did you first realize that you really could talk to animals? Well, I I could do it as a child, and until I understood that nobody else could, um, yeah, I was fine with it. I I was two three years old and. I, I, I could hear them and, and talk and, and was very fluent. It was probably by the time I was maybe five when all of a sudden I realized that it was that it was weird. Um, my I was an odd child, really, <laughs> to say the least. I was very odd. And I was very young in school. I had skipped a grade. And so I was a year younger than everyone else. And I was very, very shy. I would... I would say I would be diagnosed with um, selective mutism now if I were a child now. Mm-hmm. But, but then I was just shy. Um, and I couldn't speak really outside of the home. So I, my job was to figure out how to fit in. And when the, the easiest ones to talk to are animals, it's not easy. So... <laughs> So I had to, I, I kind of put a lid on it. I certainly, I never let anybody know. Um, when my kids were growing up, they instinctively knew what I could do. Uh-huh. Um, and it really wasn't until, God, it was probably 20 years ago that I, I slowly allowed myself to do more of it. Um, but when then once I came here, the farm wouldn't let me. It just wouldn't let me. It just kept throwing things at me where I had to use it. 
Mm -hmm. until, until I just did every day. Well, I think one of, for those who don't understand communicating with animals, one of the, um, the main attributes for people who are whisperers of any sort is that they easily can slip into alpha because animals have been, are known to communicate in alpha and people who communicate with, with animals are able to go into alpha very easily. And that's probably what you were doing. And alpha is a frequency of, of thought or consciousness. You know, yes. And, and it's interesting. I, I work with people who are, who are trying to, who are trying to do what I do. And I think everybody can once, once you do it a few times and you understand what it feels like to be in that place, Mm -hmm. boom, you're there. It's just allowing yourself to go there the first few times. Um, and then it's just, it's muscle memory is really all it is. It's like muscle memory. You just, you just say, okay, I need to be there. Boom. I'm there. Um, but it's like breaking down that barrier. Once you break it down and you can go there, it's easy. And not only then can you hear animals, you, if you allow yourself, if you say yes, you can hear anything. Oh yeah. I mean, there's there, there's a language of the wind. There's a language of certainly the little people and, and, and the elementals. I mean, it's, 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 it's such, it broadens, it explodes your consciousness and your, your sense of reality. And it makes everything seem so vibrantly alive. It's unbelievable. And remember, you're probably, you're a lot younger than I am, but there used to be a radio show on called Mr. Ed. Oh yeah, of course. No, I'm not. I'm 55. I'm, (laughs) I remember Mr. Ed. Um, but, but it's, it's sort of like, you know, I've been alone here with all my cats, of course. And, and, you know, there was a time there were nine here and people used to call me the cat lady and, and I would agree. And it, it, it was, I was never alone. I don't, I don't understand why people, you know, will say, well, you're all alone there in the house with the cats. And I said, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, a, I have one of my cats. Um, I stopped his allowance because I was, shopping online for shoes and i had put i think five pair the dansko this the uh um yes the i had five pair in my shopping cart and i was going to buy one pair and they were all on sale so you know it was a matter of like okay i i got up and i went to the bathroom and when i came back on the screen was thank you for your order <laughs> and i looked at leo and i said oh did you just order the shoes? And he looked at me and said, Oh, you mean those? And I said, yeah. Did you just press that button there that I'm pointing at? And he said, yes. And the screen made, and, and, and it made a pretty picture. And I said, (laughs) yeah, right. So I picked up the phone to call them to explain that my cat had placed the order and that I really didn't want five pairs of shoes for $500. Right. And the woman said, uh, Oh, that's so interesting. And I said, yeah, I just want one pair. She said, didn't you see that all sales were final? And I said, my cat placed the order. I didn't. And she said, well, we have your credit card on file here. He used your credit card. 
my God. And so his allowance got cut off forever. Oh, that's... Uh, <clears throat> he uh, thought it was hysterical. He just sat there, and I was getting all red in the face, and he said, but you wanted the shoes. And I said, not all of them. And you can't explain money to cats. They don't get it. <laughs> no. And he said, let's change the picture again. And I said, well, from now on, I turn this thing off when I leave the room because I, I can't afford to have you shopping with me anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's the truth. <laughs> Those are, they're very nice shoes, but they're $105 a pair. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You don't need that many. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still using most of them. They don't wear out ever, ever, ever. So, <clears throat> so when did you come up with, with, with the thought of helping um, children who are disadvantaged? You know, I, again, I was a very, very strange child. And because I was such, I was such an odd child and I was very unattractive. Um, so I was just, I was just this walking target. Um, so probably starting from maybe third grade, I, I just slowly just slid down to the very bottom of the barrel in my class and, and was the one that everybody picked on and teased. And, you know, I was beat up constantly. Um, and that was pretty much my life right through maybe eighth grade. Um, and then high school was a little different because the ones who had tormented me kind of spread out, you know, the school was so big, but when I had my own children and my son, you know, it started with him as a similar thing. Um, boy, I put a lot of effort into making sure that he was okay. And he came out the other side and, and he did, he's really, he's amazing now. Um, but I, I understood how much effort it takes to help kids who are different. And that, that's not just the ones who are, you know, my son and I were both very, very intelligent. It's over for me, but he's still, I mean, he's an organic chemist. He's still holding on. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we just kind of stood out and apart. Those are the kids that need that extra boost and animals are so they're just so adept at figuring out exactly what it is mm -hmm. that each child needs. So I think the, you know, we, we worked with um, autistic and down syndrome kids and adults for a long time. And the, the ones that really got to me, there was a little girl here. She was in eighth grade in, in this area. She'd run away from home. I think it was maybe seven or eight years ago. And it took them days to find her. But I had found out that she had run away because she was being bullied. And I thought, that's it. It's time. I have to do something. So I, that's when I started my program for bullied, bullied kids, particularly uh, middle school girls. I think that was one of the most hellish periods of my life. Now, if, I, if, if my memory serves me, and, you know, I'm 72, so sometimes, you know, my... my Sometimes my long-range memory is much better than my short-term, but you're talking eight years ago, and that's when I came to your farm with John Nowinski, and she had just disappeared, and everybody was looking for her. Right. Yeah. And you figured out where she was. Well, I, I kind of had a clue, and I also knew why she was gone. Um, 
and then and and actually she's she's a sweetheart we we got to be we got to be friends and she came and she rode horses and she's uh going into the animal field which i think is perfect for her mm-hmm. so she um it's become her life and she's a, i know she's a communicator and i think even just seeing somebody who does what i do and knowing that you know and and understanding that it's okay to be like that you know it's just i'm not i'm not a walking freak show I, I I think I was as a child to a lot of people, but they can look at me and I'm functioning in this world and I'm not a walking freak show and it makes them feel better about themselves. I can say, look, I've been there, done that, and boy, did I want to run away from home, you know, <laughs> and hide and never go to school again and get beat up again. Um, but my, my horse, Captain, you know, it was funny. I, I'm like, I don't know which horse I'm going to use. That first group of girls who came in, there were half a dozen of them in various stages of being bullied. Um, and I'm I'm wandering around the farm. What horse am I going to use? And I hear, Captain, pick me. And I'm like, Captain, you're rotten. You're, <laughs> you're not nice. You're mean to everybody but me. Why on earth would I set these girls up to be just destroyed by you? And he goes, I know what I'm doing. You're going to have to trust me. And I'm like, oh, this this is a horse. He was the meanest baby we ever brought in, except to me. He loved his mama. Probably was the reason for several of our hired hands to quit because he, you know, either kicked them or bit them. or I mean, it was awful. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust you. Let's see how it goes. These girls came and I set them each up with captain and I would say, all right, captain, here's the deal. I need to know what their, what their core issue is because sometimes even they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I, and I would, so there's this, this thing you do, it's called lunging and you, there's a big long lunge line and you hook the horse up to it and you ask him to go in a circle around you. Yeah. And this, all right, I'll just tell you the story of this one little girl, this one little girl. Um, she had him on the lunge line and she could not get him to go no matter what. And I'm coaching her and I'm coaching her and he wouldn't go. And she just bursts into tears. And, and she's like, why is he doing this? I said, well, here's what he's doing. And he told me, I just realized right then he was bullying her. He was bullying her in, in, in the kindest way he could to, to make her see what it was in her that people saw that made them bully her. And in her case, it was that she was so chaotic and disorganized in the way she presented herself to people. So I asked, I asked Captain, what is it? And he said... <laughs> Tell her she has to clean her bedroom. It's a mess. Everything is everywhere. And I'm like, all right. So I told her that. She goes, you've been talking to my mother. (laughs) No, I was talking to Captain. He says, it's chaos. It's a mess. You've got to get yourself organized. And if you're working from a place that's more organized, it's easier for you to, to, to work with other people and defend yourself and be strong. You've got to come from a a position of strength and chaos is not strong. 
And she goes, if you, if you could see my room, what color is it? I said, he's showing me everything is this abysmal pink. What is all the pink? And she's like, she's like, ah, okay. She wouldn't clean her room. It was three weeks. She would not clean the room. They came every Saturday. When she finally cleaned her room, that horse knew. And he very politely trotted in a circle around her. Oh, my goodness. And, and I mean, he's just this brilliant, intuitive, psychic horse that knows what... Well, today, she's in high school. No, she's actually, she's like 16, 17 years old now. And she plays guitar and she sings beautifully. And now she goes out and she's playing in clubs and she has a following. And I believe she's organized. And she comes from a place of strength. She knows what it is inside of her that is important and good. And, and Captain helped point that out to her. And all of these girls this from this first group, they've all done amazing things, all of them. And um, their parents were just, I have all these letters they wrote to me afterwards saying what a difference it made to their children. And that was this one horse, rotten horse, rotten horse. <laughs> Well, now, is it just the horses that do the the um, the healing, or or are there other animals there that do the same thing? There, there are others. It depends on what. Um, for example, we had this one little boy who used to come all the time. He was autistic and he hardly spoke. And when our we have a little black well, she's not a little black pig anymore. She's a very large black pig, but she's the only black pig we have. She's beautiful. She's a wild Russian boar. And when she was a baby. And this, this boy would come, and he took lessons with me, and he was quite good, but he didn't talk very much. But he would go, and he would sit in front of Iris Magnolia, and you could tell that they were having this silent conversation. And then every now and then, he would just start talking to her out loud, more than he ever talked anyplace else. Um it's they they break down barriers for these children and this is this is a kid who's now i mean he ended up completely coming out of his shell and he's doing he's doing wonderful things he's you know he's getting straight a's in high school and as a child he was diagnosed as autistic and he couldn't speak but he would sit there and this pig would just quietly sit there didn't move right in front of him and they would just talk to each other and, um, oh, we had a little goat named Rosie, and she was a she was a Nigerian dwarf, and her face was crooked. And um, there's this one mom who would bring her daughter. She was just a little baby, and she had just started walking. Well, she was probably 18 months old, but she's she is dwarfism. And the two of them would sit there, and it was this conversation, and they understood each other. They were both they were both dwarfs. Mm -hmm. And they both were different. Rosie had her crooked face and you would just, she would bring her little girl and she would park her in front of Rosie and Rosie who usually ran all over the yard and did a million things would just stand there. And you knew that they were just communicating with each other for 20, 30 minutes. Um, and actually she brought her back just, just this summer. I got to see this little girl again and she's a wonderful, wonderful child, smart as can be. And, um, and we lost Rosie last year, and I felt so bad that I, I didn't have her there for her. Uh, but I think she did her work. Her work was done. So tons and tons and tons of stories. They could, I could go on all night. Well, you know, it, it's, um, the Chinese believed that, that cats um, 
that their purpose, their spiritual purpose was to draw heavy energy from, from the people that they lived with, you know, um, and, and I've, I've seen that with the cats. I've seen them, you know, come and lay on my chest if I was grieving or anything. And they would just lay there and look at me and purr. And you could feel the weight being lifted. And, and I don't know that the cats know they do this, but I, I suspect they do. Right. I think they do. I think they all know what they're doing. I'm well, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I would, I would say that, that, that we just don't give animals the credit for all that they can and, and do do because they get, you know, they, they've um, taken stray dogs into prisons and helped the prisoners to heal um, by, by, you know, giving them, you know, dogs to train and stuff like that. And, and it's amazing the difference that an animal can make where, where doctors and medicine just don't stand a chance. Right. Right. Well, they use them in, well, in, in Connecticut, they have, they have the prison where, um, they, well, actually I got a bunch of goats out of the prison, (laughs) (laughs) but they have, they, the prison where they have the barns, the state barns. So animals that are confiscated due to, you know, abuse or whatever, um, they're brought up there and the prisoners are the ones who are involved in rehabilitating them. We actually had hired somebody on who had been in the prison system and worked in, in the barns. And, and actually he was quite good with the horses. Um, this was a few summers back and he was, he was temporary, but you know, got some skills and it's a calming thing. These animals, especially the horses that you have to be calm around horses. Oh yeah. You, you have to be. And, and, um, I guess it's quite the plum job. The well, ones- you know, it, it's funny because <clears throat> when my mother and father got divorced, we went to Reno, Nevada, mm. and we lived on a we lived on a dude ranch for six weeks. And I had I'll never forget that. The, and this goes back to when I was fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, and I had this big white horse whose name was Snowball, and he had been he was an ex circus horse, mm-hmm. and Every time I rode him, he kept showing me what he used to do. And, uh, and it was just, it was the coolest thing. And I would sit there and giggle and they'd say, what's so funny? And I was saying, he's showing me the ring. He's showing me the clowns. He's showing me all dressed up with, with plumes and sparkly harnesses and everything. And yeah. some pretty women that rode on his back standing up. And they just looked at me. And, and and one of the wranglers said to my mother, "Is she not well?" And my mother said, "No, as far as I know, she's got all her marbles." And <laughs> and and the wrangler said, "I, you know, she makes up really pretty stories." And I said, "No, no." And you know what he can do? He can stand on just two legs. And the wrangler said, "Now, miss." And I and I and I said, "No, really, he can stand on two legs." And I all I heard was, "Hang on." And suddenly this horse is up on two legs walking around the corral. And, and I'm hanging on for dear life because I've never ridden a horse before in my life. Oh, my goodness. But it was amazing. And, and I think that's the first time I actually heard an right. animal talk to me. Wow. These are, and these are things that, um, you know, when I, when I read animals for people, they want to know or they should know where they came from. Uh-huh. 
it gives you to know their background really helps you to understand them to work with them we had a horse come in from a kill pen in kentucky would only go clockwise in a circle over and over and over again it would take two of us to turn him around and go in the other direction and finally i'm like hero honey what's the deal well it turns out that for years he was one of those ponies they hook up to those contraptions at the state fairs and this was down south and all he did for years was walk in circles hooked up to the you know it's like a, a living merry-go-round uh -huh. walk round and round and round and he never went even any wider than that it was a certain you know meter circle that he walked in it took us almost two years to very gently get him to go in the other direction <laughs> Poor thing. Um, just, just a reminder to those listening, we will be taking calls. And if you want to call in about one of your pets, um, you know, uh, Kathleen, the expert, and me, the novice, can certainly try to tune into your pets, see if we can get a message for you. The number is 310-421-4053. Um, and the music is going to start shortly. Um, I never know exactly when, but we're within a, like a couple minutes of it. But I just, um, I want to reiterate uh, that Kathleen's website is, um, as I scroll fast, her <laughs> website is uh, www.locketsmeadow.org. And <clears throat> to help support all the work she does with the, the handicapped children and, and the animals, if you go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Lockett's Meadow, you can contribute a little bit to help them, you know, defray the expenses of taking care of over 150 animals. And, and I think the problem with your farm is that you make everybody a member of your family and it's very hard to let go of anybody. It's it's not easy. We I mean we do sometimes. Sometimes horses are very specific. They want to be. We had one named Susie, and she's like, I want to be a princess. And I cannot be a princess pony here. There are so many horses, and I want to be a special princess. And it took us six years to find the exact right person who would make her the princess that she. A boy is she a princess now? She is so spoiled. She has a wardrobe that. Well, I don't have much of a wardrobe, but um, lives in a gorgeous place and is just waited on hand and foot. And it turns out she's a princess. You just have to be patient sometimes. I, could, I couldn't let her go to just anybody, but I could let her go to the person who is going to let her be a princess. So, and, and don't you don't you feel that that there are pairings that are just meant to be sometimes, oh, yeah. and and you have to just trust that the right person finds the right animal and, and they do, they absolutely do. Yeah. It's, 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 is there an animal you cannot communicate with? Oh, please. I talk to the spiders in my house. Um, I can't think of anything offhand. I've, I haven't failed yet. Um, so, <laughs> but it would be interesting. You know what? It'd be interesting to find out if I could, there are, there are certain animals that just don't have as much to say. And I would, of all of the ones that, that it would be reptiles. They, mm -hmm. they really don't give a hoot. Well, you know, what I was wondering was that, that an animal 
is an animal is an animal. I was wondering if someone had parasites in their body, if you could talk to the parasites. I am so not a fan of parasites. I've got animals that, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably could. I, I've never actually thought about it. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've, I do have long conversations with, again, spiders and, uh, and other bugs. It's, I have one rule. I'm fine with you until you bite me. You bite mm-hmm. me, you die. And that's that. Well, so, that's easy. Get you know, <laughs> Don't bite me. Um, so ticks bite me, die. <laughs> Flies bite me, die. Mosquitoes. Well, yeah, I, I have every, every year I get the ants in my kitchen and I sit down and I send out to them. I, you know, I don't care if you're in, in, in the, um, in the rafters and I don't care if you're outside, but come into my kitchen and you will die. And gotta be some, some rules there. Yeah. It's really, it's because Patrick was very adverse to that. And so when he was here, I couldn't kill them. And every now and then I have a trash masher. And when I would open it up and see ants in it, I'd say, well, welcome to camp cook. (laughs) As soon as he's not looking, you're dying. And it really, it it is, it is amazing. And it's, you know, they are so, they, they are so amazingly comforting that that you know i'd rather have you know a warm fuzzy often than a person who just had no compassion yes yep yep there's there's no there's no question there um that you know here's the thing they don't have an ego humans have the ego problem animals i'm not saying that some of them can't be full of themselves i've met stallions you know mhm but not in the same way that that people do um and people people purposely hurt other people to build their own egos animals don't do anything for that reason they just don't um they're they're generally their hearts are good even the ones that have been abused their hearts are good and they're just trying so hard to get back to that place where they're where they where they feel safe and comfortable and can be kind um, they always want to give back what, what's given to them. Well, not only that, but animals don't kill for, for sport either. Okay. We got, we will be back in three to five minutes. Take a break. We'll see you at the other side. Great. This is Nightlight. And if you like what you're hearing, click over to the support page and make a donation to help us keep this amazing station up and running. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com is totally listener supported. From the owner to the host to the producers, who we can't live without, to the staff, all are working here because we love the work and are dedicated to putting out quality material for all of you. Be it large or small, every donation is greatly appreciated and helps us all keep on supplying information and material to educate and enlighten you that isn't found anywhere else. So, back to Kathleen. I, hi there. Um, you didn't always, I, you, you said you worked in New York, but you didn't tell people actually how famous you, you are. I mean, you're an amazing chef. You've written cookbooks. You've written children's books. You have an amazing website, which is... Um, 
www.lockettsmeadow.org, and you have the most entertaining and and amazingly wonderful blog ever out there. You are so multi-talented. It's uh, you talked about being battered into nothing. Listen, I was a skinny kid that nobody paid attention to too when I was young, and and actually, um, I I you know even through grade school and high school and college, you know, I, I was always in the background. And if you had told me at that time that later on in life, um, I'd be on the radio and I'd be talking to people all around the world and I'd be doing the things that I've done or, or, or drawing or writing or any of the stuff that I've done, I, I would have really been fearful of you and thought you were crazy. Right. Right. I believe that. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. I think the, the quiet, the quiet children who are on the outside, because we're not always involved in, in everything going on, it, we're, we miss all the superficial. We're very busy studying people and listening and we're, 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 we become more connected to other things than other people. It's, I think it opens up, it opens us up to spirit. You know, I, I think, I, I really believe that's the case. And, you know, I always like to think that if people, when they're very, very young, are beautiful and pretty and sparkly and talented, that they don't have the opportunity to develop the character and the senses of humor that the rest of us do. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if somebody had said to me, you're going to be a late bloomer, I would have thought, well, you know, what, what, 20, 21, 25. And, and <laughs> you know, here I am, 72, blooming my little heart out. So um, yeah. it, 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 it is something that does take time and it takes effort. But I, I think you're absolutely right that that we are forced to do a greater sense of of um, understanding and, and, and that that. that trail to self-awareness and trusting the flow and and believing in ourselves far more so than those other people that you know have the looks and you know something I've seen pictures of some of the people I went to high school with and wow thank you very much I'm really glad I was not an early bloomer (laughs) because you know what it, it gets worse and worse the older they get um now, with uh, and and certainly, if if there are any of you out there that would like to have Kathleen tune into your your pets, your animals, uh, the number here is three one zero four two one four zero five three. But but in lieu of not having somebody else coming calling, uh, you you really um, not only working with the animals, but but. You have you have made contact with and and are are in spiritual con- connection to a group of Native American um, shamans. You you want to tell tell me how that happened? That's kind of fascinating. They all it it was um, you know I do circles on the farm and you know as a medium and and I and and they're all very interesting and I I can chat with pretty much anybody. One day I I had my arms in the air and I looked up and I saw all of these arms that weren't mine. And there were all these very brown arms and I counted them and there were eight sets of arms and they weren't mine. And I was confused, but I was like, okay, 
whatever. Eventually somebody will explain it to me. Well, not long after that, um, my horse Falstaff, who was the most amazing horse ever, just, we just read each other's minds. We worked together all the time. He died, um, which destroyed me. He, I knew he was being taken to Tufts by my husband. I had to stay home and take care of these other horses that were sick. It was a virus running through the farm. I knew I was going to lose him. When my husband got there, he calls me and I said, I have to talk to him. And I, I talked to my horse and told him everything that he needed to hear from, from his mama before he crossed. And then I just curled up on the living room floor and waited because I knew he would come to me when he did die. Um, so I'm, I'm lying there sobbing. And all of a sudden, one of my guides on the other side, his name is Chief White Dove. Chief White Dove shows up and he asks me, can I have your horse to be my own? And I'm like, well, I, I guess if I can't have him, I would, you know, yes, you may, you may. Um, and he said, I will give you a gift in exchange. Moments later, Falstaff shows up, up, they all right off into the distance. I'm lying there sobbing and my arms start flopping around on the ground. And I'm like, oh God, now what? Now what? My <laughs> arms are flopping around. It's like 10 minutes and I can't make them stop. And finally, they settled down, and I'm like, can somebody tell me what that was? And I hear, and this is the lead, the lead, Tatiana. She runs this group of eight women. They're all, they're all medicine women. And she says, it's, it's a learn as you go. But basically, they were going to be able to heal through my arms. And, um, and I'm like, do I get do I get a book? Can you give me a book? <laughs> Can somebody give me the instruction book? And they're like, no, we'll just, we'll fill you in as you go. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. But you know, it, that was a few years back and they've been coaching me and um, we've all gotten to, to the point where we work together really well. I've, I've trained a lot of other people in how to use their energy. I, we work on Oh, Lordy, we've had great success with people with Lyme disease. Um, I work on people going through chemotherapy and, you know, I, I don't know what effect we have on cancer, but I do know that we can negate the, um, the side effects of chemotherapy. People, people leave with so much energy, you know, they just go home and start cleaning their houses. Um, mm -hmm. It seems to be what happens. I, I worked on people here. I have my little corn house that I work in and I, they just, you know, when they start like, as they walk by, they start pulling weeds and working in my yard. I'm like, no, go home and do that. Go home and do that. <laughs> um, if they're really, they're quite wonderful. It's, you know, just because you've, you've died and crossed over doesn't mean you didn't love the work you did when you were here. And all of these women were just like waiting for some sucker to say yes. And I, <laughs> I always say yes. And, um, they wanted to continue doing their healing work and they just needed a pair of hands to do it through. So we, we, we do very, we, we get along well. I've never been involved in anything to do with native American culture. And we moved to this farm and apparently it was holy ground for the native Americans. Um, so I, I guess I'm now an honorary member for somebody with curly blonde hair. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you don't look the part much. <laughs> no, no, I look like, I, you know, that, that German-Dutch thing happening. 
Um, but they don't care what I look like as long as I'm available when, you know, when they want to do the work. And I'm more than happy to do that. I, I understand, you know, there are things that I love to do. And, and um, sometimes, yeah, you just need a pair of hands to help you. So. Well, don't you think, too, that the people are the right, the right people are drawn to the right person at the right time? And, and there is an energetic, certainly with that, with, with, with your property, with the land itself, that, that does draw people in who are willing to trust and, and embrace the kind of energy that you share with them. I, yes, I think so. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, people who come who are not, who the farm doesn't actually want here, who they don't who the farm doesn't see as being appropriate, chews it up and spits them out. Um, people who are not honest. Oh boy, the farm dislikes dishonest people um, and sends them packing. I can, boy, the stories. But yes, it does, it does draw spiritually minded people and people who are in need of healing right to it. Mm-hmm. And my job is to say, okay, sure. So I, I say, I just, I just keep saying, yes, I, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. I, you know, when I was young, I had fears. All of these things were very fearful to me. I don't even care what anybody thinks of me anymore. And when I was growing up, that was, that was the ultimate, you know, what if somebody thought I was strange or different? I'm so over it, but I have the protection of, of this very holy spiritual place and i have the eight ladies and you know we we're good we're all good here wasn't a while back didn't you have some either hawks or eagles i forget which it was we have hawks oh boy do we have hawks um i have there's a hawk here it's victoria and eventually she showed up with victor this year they had two babies one of them is Sarah Hawk. My my grandson loves her. He has this. He's two years old, and when he's he knows the difference between the hawks and what their names are, and he'll be like, "It's Sarah. It's baby Sarah Hawk," who will start talking to him, and they just call back and forth to each other. But the hawks are very important on this farm, and when something's coming or something's going to change, they just drop a feather in front of me. And then I'm, I'm kind of on my toes and watching. Um, I've got a collection of feathers from them now. Sarah had given me a feather. It was maybe a month ago. And she's like, I left something for you in the sheep's paddock in the back. My husband was working out of Chicago at the time. I did, it was 30 hours before I got back there. And I finally went back, and it was right where she had said it was. And I picked it up, and she flies overhead. And she's like, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> animals to feed here but her mother victoria came as a baby as well and she attacked one of my ducks and she was in the tree and they can't eat the ducks they're too big and i'm screaming at her don't you ever ever touch any of my yard birds you go in that barn and you clean out the rats but you leave my yard birds alone later that day all the ducks are huddled in the corner of the yard and i'm like what are they staring at and I go over and behind one of their huts, and she didn't even move. I'm two feet away. There's uh, Victoria, and she's eating a rat. And she looks up at me, and she's like, are you happy now? <laughs> I'm like, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. 
Well, from there on in, I'd never seen anything like this, but she would sit in the barn on top of the stall doors and just pick off rats. And as her babies come, she explains to them, they are not allowed to touch my yard birds, and they don't. That's so, amazing. Now, um, now yeah. different animals, do you think, have different healing modalities to them? Absolutely. 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 Um, they all have different animals have such different energy. Think about it. There are animals that are, you know, I mean, hawks, everything is like is sharp. Um, when you work with hawk energy, if you're looking to sharpen your perspective, they can be a half a mile above the earth and they can see a mole oh. and, and zip down and you know what I mean? And just snag them. And when, when hawks show up in your life all the time, they're, they're, they're coaching you. What's your perspective? How do you get your perspective correct and sharp? And it's a whole medicine that they have that they, that they can teach you if you tune into them. Um, horses, a whole different thing. What horses do is they reflect back to you what you are at that point in time. And you can see yourself for what you are. And and understand what you're working with. So every every animal has a different energy and a different medicine. Um, and and you know there's, and I'm not saying that every cat, you know, has the same kind of medicine. Um, but boy, there's something about a cat on your lap. Oh, jeez, yeah. You know, purring away that just it draws the negativity out of you. I I used to do. Um meditations on a real regular basis and for 17 years I would have them in my you know in my house once a week and I always found that um, as we would go into the meditation and and I led the meditation each time I would see my cats and and at the time there were two or three I would I would see them come in they, they would I would be watching them as they would come in and they would walk around the circle and each of them would pick a different person to get on their lap for the meditation. And I always knew that those were the people that had the emotional problems or difficulties going on at that particular point in time. And they would sit there for the entire meditation and then they would get up and go eat kibbles. Yep. Yep. They know. Now, now I have a question for you. Um, when I moved up here, and I live in the woods, I'm on a huge pond. I'm in the, I, literally my house is built in the wetlands. And um, two years after I moved up here, I lost my, my Sheltie, who was my little boy. And then I lost Smudge, who was, who was the most magical cat I've ever had. Mm. And, you know, two of them in six months, my you know, you can't say they were favorites, but they were, they were special. Mm-hmm. And when I lost Smudge, um, I went down to the very end of my property and I was inconsolable. I was just, I was absolutely wailing down there. I figured, you know, nobody's going to hear me here. I can just let it rip. And I noticed that, that in, um, I was right at the edge of the water and I did notice at some point that that the, the weeds sticking out were moving and I didn't stop crying. I just kept what I was watching. And then suddenly probably maybe 10 feet away from me, I saw the shell of a turtle, huge turtle. 
the 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 shell had to be at least four feet in diameter. Wow! And I saw this head come up, and and the neck. Are you there? Oh, I'm back. There we are. Where'd you go? Okay. I was. I don't know. It said I was on hold. So anyhow, this 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 great big neck raises up and looks at me, and and the neck was thicker than my arm. Wow! And this 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 old face looked at me, and I I looked at it, and it's I was I was shocked, and I I stopped crying then, and it looked at me, and it said, "You have so much to do. You better get busy," and. I stopped crying and came back to the house. Now, what uh, would what would the turtle be? Turtle is well. Turtles are ancient wisdom. They're ancient wisdom. They are. They are. Um, they're one of the animals that can see every level. They they can see. They can see the depths of your soul. They can see the furthest stars. They are so wise. And this is a turtle that they understand. They live so long, but they understand time. And we have limited time. So that was, that was definitely, it was just, you've got things to do. You've absolutely got things to do. Especially when you're, I mean, a turtle that old, that huge. I mean, it's, it's, wow. you know, it blew me away and, and I've not seen it again. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I, I've seen the little ones that are a foot or so in, in, in diameter. Right. But that, uh, that's a gift. That's oh, a gift. my goodness. I, I could have I sat on this turtle. It was oh. that big. Wow. Yeah, it's just they're, they're just so deep and so ancient. But there's always that reminder of, you know, human mortality, we don't have the time they have. They can live hundreds and hundreds of years. And they, their, their perspective is to just keep plodding away. So, wow, that's what a gift. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely um, unique and different. <laughs> wow. Oh. I would, I would have, I, that would have made me burst into tears to get a visit from, from someone like that. Well, it was, it was just so, you know, I, I'm not a snake person and I was definitely in the weeds and everything. I just figured I will go someplace where I can just like get, like let out my grief. Right. And to have this, this huge, huge turtle swim up to me. And and just look at me and say you have work to do. Get busy. It was like, okay, <laughs> really. What do you say? You know, what do you say? how startling to to see something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. it, yeah. No, I was definitely blown away by that. That was uh, uh, <clears throat> a little bit more than than I could actually. Um, handle and I when I came back to the house there was there was a guy that was working in the yard and he said are you okay and I said yeah I'm pretty sure I am and he said um I you know he said suddenly I didn't hear you and then you're back here and I said I have work to do I guess he said what are you going to do I said I don't really know but (laughs) (laughs) I better get doing it 
look, if a turtle that probably weighs well over 100 pounds tells you to do something, you just go do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. God, that's amazing. Wow. No, that was that was definitely um, that was one of my one of my moments of of okay, I'm on special land here, and the animals are talking to me, so um, I have to trust that something you know that that this is going to blend into something or whatever. It was just it was I was so surprised. You know, I've talked um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. But a, a lot of animals, but um, you know, not, not anything quite like that. That was amazing. Okay, we've got a call here. Um, let me see who we've got. Um, hi, three oh five. You're on the air. Who is this? Good evening, Barbara. This is Deanna. How are you? Hi, Deanna. We're just fine. How can we help tonight? Well, my bunny. Her name is Alice. She's not doing well. I was wondering if Catherine could communicate with her. Is she eating? She has eaten up until now. I'm I'm getting that I'm getting that she has no appetite right off the bat and that there's a little bit of there's some intestinal trouble. Um and she is she's lethargic? No, um, I don't know how she hurt herself, but um, her front legs are not responding. Yeah, there's something. Have you t you have you you haven't taken her to a vet yet? No. Okay. I'm. Hmm. You know, we were talking about parasites earlier, and. One of the things I'm I'm picking up on is is parasites. Uh, this is this is definitely um, something that you need to take a stool sample to a vet and get that checked. Um, parasites are are tough. They they can affect they can affect an animal neurologically, and um, and I'm just I'm just getting a feeling that she's not alone in there. Um, she's uh, really. Uh, it's. Can I add to this? Sure. Um, I feel she's fallen and that there's a pinched nerve there. If you can find a holistic homeopathic vet that does either acupuncture or chiropractic, it might help a little. It's um, yeah. I would I would definitely um, acu acupuncture won't hurt anything. Acupuncture is a good way to go. She's not using her front legs at all. She's unable. I, I feel she's. Um, I think he, she's leaving. You think she's what? I'm sorry. I, I think she's leaving life behind. Tonight, probably. I, I I feel that there's definitely something intestinal. I really, um, I really think you need to have the the stool samples checked. I, I I'm not. She may have an injury, but that's not. 
I don't think that's her major problem. I, I feel there's something systemic, and I think it really there there are parasites involved. Um, I'm not I'm not a professional bunny person. There, that's one of the few animals I don't have. Um, so I I can't give you, I, you know, horse horses. I can tell you all kinds of things, dogs, but I can't give you any specific directions. You really do need to, and I know it's expensive to take your animals to the vet. Not. It's not just about money. It's just that I don't have the transportation. I'm not supposed to have her here. It's, if I felt I could, I w- definitely would. Right. She's always eaten up. She has eaten, um, she's almost five, and she's eaten a fresh diet all along, whether it's kale or arugula or you name it, walnuts, uh, bananas, everything right. and fresh. Always, but um, this just happened in sleep when I came from work the other day. I noticed it, and it's been about two, three days, and I can't. Uh... Hmm. Yeah. I. And you just don't. You don't have the transportation to get her there. That's that's a. That would be. It, I really feel that she does need. I really feel she does need the attention of a vet. I, I'm, you know, yes. I wish I were, I wish I were more of a bunny person. It's just not, you know, I just don't know. I don't know how to treat them, but I, I would take a little research online. You could probably do some research online on um, worming bunnies. And, and if you're giving her fresh food, that's that's perfect. That's wonderful. But you can bring in on produce. You can bring in parasites. Certainly. Deanna, can you take a taxi cab and, and get to the vet that way? I'm sorry. Repeat the first part, Barbara, please. Can you take can a taxi? Can you take a taxi cab? No, not the, not right now. Money is definitely, a, you know, a hindrance right now. Mm-hmm. And um, probably in a couple of days, yes. But right now, no. Hmm. I would do... I, I've, I've really felt that she may have had a stroke because the both front legs, one was not great, but now the other one is like completely limp. So I I feel something happened, but she does go under the bed, so she could have hurt herself. I just feel I I saw your name uh, on my on my wall, and I said let me go ahead and call tonight. So I I wrote Barbara a little bit saying I would call in. Right, I I really um. This is definitely something for a vet, and and it's you know as as soon as you you possibly can. I um, because bunnies are fragile; they they're fragile. When they will hide something for a long time, and then and then when they start showing symptoms of there being a problem, by then it's a real problem. Yeah. Birds are like that as well. They they try very hard 
not to show you that there's something wrong with them. It's a survival of the fittest thing. They have to, um, they have to, they've got to hide it. So if she's showing symptoms now, it's, it's something that's been building. So, Thank you very much. She's a sweet, sweet bunny. She's oh, beautiful. Oh, there! I love bunnies. I, I'm not set up for them. I, I, every now and then someone asks if I can take one, and I refer them to some other bunny rescuers. They, that they all they do is bunnies. They're so, they're very specific, and you have to know them if you're going to rescue them correctly. Um, but yes, the soonest the soonest you can get her to a vet. Because um, I don't think it's just an injury. I think it's more than an injury. I, I fear it's it's much more than that, definitely. Yeah. De Deanna, try googling yes, try try googling bunny rescue, and and for the area you live in, there may well be a, a phone number you can call that might be able to give you more specific information. Okay, Marga, I will do that. Okay. Good luck. Good luck with her. I'm I'm crossing my fingers and I'm being so hopeful. I can tell how much you love her. Well, she was I rescued her almost November first. It would be five years where I was living. One of the neighbors left, and he was giving you know. He says, "Well, do you want her?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, that was I think twenty twenty twelve. November first, wow. twenty twelve. So, oh. and she was about four. She was about six months old. So she didn't get to five. I am. I am sure that if you Google and look for a bunny rescue type place, that that they will at least be able to talk with you about this issue, and they might be able to give you some really good advice. Right. They, the ones that specialize in bunnies, they know they're bunnies. Um, they can they can talk you through. If you can't if you can't get her to a vet, they may be able to give you some advice. Thank you so much, both of you, and I appreciate it. I'm gonna try to call the other number to listen in now and uh, blessings and and her name is Alice, by the way. That's why I named her Alice, because we I, live in Wonderland. Uh, <laughs> it's the white rabbit, right? <laughs> yeah. No, she's not. She's actually um, strawberry blonde color. Uh, no, the, and, but the white rabbit in Alice, is, it's, that's why. It's, the, um, it's also the song. Is it, was it Jefferson Starship? Yes. <laughs> Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, it was. That's what it was then. Yep. So yeah. I love that. I love that song, actually. Uh, well, don't give up on her. OK, I, I won't. Thank no, you so I, much. I know you won't. Good okay. luck. Good night. Good night, Deanna. Good night. Yeah, no, that's, you know, sometimes vets will say, well, you'll know when it's time. They'll tell you. And um. As far as I'm concerned, it's never time for somebody to leave me. So no, oh Lord, no, no. And um, really, in this case, I really feel that it really a vet can a vet that's going to be able to figure this out. It's more than there may be an injury, but there's more going on than that. No, I would I would totally agree with you. Uh, but but 
Deanna is, is Deanna is a very special person. She's been calling my shows for probably the last seven years. Oh. And um, she's she's a she's an amazing lady, and um, I di- I did not know she had a bunny. So you know, <laughs> they, you learn something new every day. Absolutely. But um, you know, it's it's funny. I had. Um, uh, when my son was just born and I lived in Michigan, there was a uh, homing pigeon that, that came to the window of my kitchen. And of course, I called him Homer. And um, it was it was amazing because I, I would put stuff out for him. He'd peck on the window when he wanted food or peck on the window when he wanted water. He wasn't injured. And he, he let me get close enough, you know, and I, I kept saying... They got a tag on you. You must have an owner. You know, your your compass must be broken or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would just look on me and tap on the window more. And he tapped on the window to the point where I said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and he, he held his foot up and he said, call home. And there was the phone number on the on the tag. Oh. And I picked up the phone and, and I felt a little stupid. But, you know, the man answered and I said, this is going to sound so strange. He said, are you selling anything? And I said, no, <laughs> but but your bird's on my windowsill and wants me to call you to come and get him. And he, <laughs> said, he, he said, oh, he got lost again. And I, I said, know. I have to tell you, this bird has no sense of direction. He said, you're not telling me anything I don't already know. Where are you? And the man lived about 40 miles away. And he got his car and he drove the 40 miles and he picked up the bird. And I said, don't, don't set him loose with the others. He can't keep up with them and he's going to get lost again. And he said, no, don't worry. He's going to be put out to, uh, how did he put it? He's going to be put out to, to, to stud or something, you know, it was, you know, uh... and that the bird liked. So, I mean, they do, I mean, they're, they're, they are so they're so better than human. It's just, it's, it's such a joy to have them in your life. And I missed Homer. I kind of hoped he was going to turn him loose, but with the sense of direction he had, he probably wouldn't have found me again either. No, probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Some of them just don't have it. Most of them do. That's for sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I want to get back to to the, um, to the shamans that that Mm -hmm. work with you and through you. On the, I I know that you do energy work, but but it's not a traditional form of any sort of energy work. It's sort of a something that is unique unto you, so that so that you become the channel. Do you do you sort of just turn yourself over and and let them work through you? Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I because I didn't know anything about about this kind of healing. I, I don't even really understand what Reiki is. I, I work on people who've had Reiki and they say this is like Reiki on steroids. It, it's not even close. Um, you, they're, they're charming. These ladies are charming. I was like, do I have to just, just stand here and be quiet? It's hands-on. I put my hands on somebody's shoulders to start and then the ladies kind of zip around and then they come back and they let me know what's up and what they're working on. So I can tell the people what, what we're doing and they'll feel all kinds of funky things. It can like buzzing or it, it's like they work with electricity. You, it'll like be zipping through them and, and they'll feel things running to their fingertips and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but, um, if they chatter, 
so we can't, you know, a lot of people will have like the soft music and everybody be very quiet. And they said, we don't do that. Healing is women's work. It's just women working. When women are working and there's a group of eight and they're all sitting in a circle and they're doing their thing, they're not being quiet. They're chatting. They're talking about their children, their husbands, their neighbors, their, you know, their recipes. They're, they're chatting. So this is just work. It's, it's no different from, from cooking or sewing or quilting. It's just women working. And when women work, they chat. So I can just, just put my hands where they tell me to, and the ladies will tell me where they need to be. And we can all just be chatting up a storm in the room and the work gets done. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought that was so interesting that, um, it's just women's work. Women were always the healers way back. Women were the healers. Yeah. That's, that's what, um, that's what gets me sometimes, um, today i'm i'm a reiki master but i don't do it traditionally at all and and you know the the structure that they create and the the, the different things you do i mean to me if you're truly a healer then your hands know where to go right and absolutely and, and and it's 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 not kind of like well let me just feel around in this energetic field till I find something that doesn't feel right. They go directly to it. Right. And and if you try to um, follow someone else's pattern or or follow um, a modality that that somebody has you know written down in a book, you're you're gonna you're gonna lose the the energy feeling that will take you naturally to where you need to go. Right, right. I have uh, friends who are very into healing, and they've studied this. They've studied this. They've, they've spent a lot of money to learn how to do these things. And um, this one woman, I love her. She's she's tries so hard to learn as much as she can. And she's like, well, what do you do about hygiene? I'm like, hygiene? What do you mean hygiene? Well, when when we're taught to do this, we have to dip our fingers in alcohol or spray our hands with rose water or... <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, how do you clear away the energy from the person that you just worked on? I said, I don't have to worry about that. The ladies take care of all of that. Mm-hmm. They, they're, I'm not doing it. They are. I'm just kind of hanging here. It's it's under control. The last thing I have to worry about is is that. But but you know that's that's what a true healer is. I mean, the the rituals that that some of these people make up are, are to me just ridiculous. And, and I, I don't understand how anybody can really work within the confines of the restrictions that they create for people. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I've had people say, I, I use a deck of cards frequently and somebody, you know, somebody will come up and say, can I touch your cards? And it's like, you know, of course. And, and how do you cleanse them? Do you set them out at the full moon with crystals on them? And it's like, no, anybody that touches them leaves all their good energy in them. And the more readings I do, the stronger they get. And, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, there's such, um, there's such mystery that people weave around the things that are just so natural. It's but don't, unbelievable. Don't you think that when, when these, you know, all right, Reiki has turned into a little bit of a cult thing. Everybody has to do it a certain way. And mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's become a little bit of a religion. And when things, 
It's control. Somebody's inventing something that they want to have complete control over. Um, and I don't think that something like healing has to have that. If you're a healer, you're a healer. And you don't have to worry about all of these little odds and ends that, that they make these rules up about. Oh, yeah. well, Reiki, Reiki is a reasonably new art form. And it hasn't been around for 24 or 48 centuries. It's only been around a very little while in comparison to a lot of the other stuff. Right. And, you know, their symbols and everything, they named their symbols to the, they, they, they are so complicated and they have to be done stroke after stroke after stroke. You forget that the, the true healing is natural and there is yes. a flow of energy and the spirit, spirit takes care of it. And right. you don't have to call it by any particular name or create any little pattern over the person. You just have to share energy. And that's, right. that's truly all it is. Well, people ask me, how do you, you know, when I start, when I'm teaching them, I'm teaching them how to do this. And, and they're like, well, how do I call the ladies in? I'm like, you don't have to call the ladies in. They know their job. You, you, you just, you start and they will be there. They don't need to be called. All you have to do is think of them. And it's just like anything that's spirit. You think of them and you're instantly manifesting them. They're but going to be there. I would totally agree with you, kind of, because if the intent of the person that you're trying to teach is not genuine, the ladies will not be there. I've not. Well, so far, I haven't had that happen. Um, I haven't. So I'm not going to worry about it unless it does. No, but 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 you will you will find that there are people that 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 on an intellectual level want to do something, but they're not willing to work for it. Maybe. Yeah. And, and, and if you haven't, then you're, you're very, very fortunate. I I've never had a person that I felt was, was negative that I've read and I've been reading for 50 years. So I I'm, you know, the right people are drawn to you. And so long as you know, you, you when someone is drawn in, then, then they're ready. And you know, that's, that's all there is to it. Right. Um, I want to bring up first, I, I want to also bring up your cooking because you uh, do a tremendous amount with cooking too. I, I do. I, you know, I, I love to cook and I, there's not a, you know, I joke about it. There's not a long list of things I'm extremely good at, but I am a really good cook and I'm vegan and nobody ever eats my food and is wondering, you know, where the main dish is, um, I, I can cook. And um, I have this one little, I have one um, YouTube video, and I'll, I'll eventually do more, but it's when Petunia Buttercup was a baby, and I, I had more people asking me, how do you make your pierogi? Because my grandmother was Slovak, and she taught me. So I, I was like, you know, let's, let's, put a, let's put a twist on it. Let's do it in my kitchen. And let's make pierogi, and we're going to see how many we can make. In, can we make them in five minutes flat? Because everybody's afraid to make them. It seems like a huge project. Mm -hmm. So I set the kitchen up, and I start making pierogi. Well, in the kitchen, there's two dogs. There's a pig. There's cats. And I'm working around all these animals, and I'm rolling them out at light speed. And Petunia Buttercup, who was maybe, maybe five months old at the time, took advantage of the situation, walks into the other room, goes into the pantry, 
and pulls down a box of pasta and starts eating it. And I'm like, my husband's holding the camera and filming. I am not going to stop because I am going to get these made in five minutes. And it actually ended up being so funny. 30,000 people have watched that little video because at the end, I give Petunia a couple of um, pierogi, and she just wolfed them down and loved them. Okay, uh, so what's what's what on YouTube is your name, so they can go look for it. All you all you have to do is type in five minute pierogi. P i e r. Wait, it's getting late. Hold on. P i e r o g i. For a while there, my pierogi recipe was getting more hits than Martha Stewart's, okay? Okay. <laughs> and, and she pulled ahead of me. So everybody, go on, watch it. It's actually very funny, and, and Petunia Buttercup is adorable. Um, but, yeah, let's catch back up with Martha Stewart's pierogi recipe on YouTube. <laughs> okay, so I if, if they have – if anyone out there has questions for you, is it okay if I give out your um, email? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So – that would be Lockett's Meadow Farm at yahoo.com. Yes. The website is http colon forward slash org, And the, um, the place you can go to hopefully possibly give them a little help with all the work they do with the animals is www.gofundme.com forward slash Lockett's Meadow. Anything you can send them to help them out with taking care of the 150 plus animals that, that help with handicapped children and, and, and abused adults and things like that. Anything that you can do out there that can help to um, provide a, a greater expanse for the, this wonderful farm um, and all of the amazing animals that are there to touch, to touch, um, more people would, would be greatly, greatly appreciated and read her blog. Her blog is just <laughs> unbelievable. And the, the one that I love the best is, is how to convince the house sitter. What is it? Right. The, no, how to take care of all of these animals. And I, I just, it's just one apology after another for what I make them do. It's terrible. Um, but it's funny. I had not, I hadn't posted that as a blog. That was just the actual letter that I had written to the house sitter. I sat here and I roared. I could not believe that you would leave this kind of intricate message for somebody and, and not expect them to, to take one look at it and turn around and leave. I have to say she was brave because I, I don't know. Hold on. I actually, I think I have it pulled up here. Um, do you, I, I can read part of it. Do you, do you mind if I, it was, I, I had forgotten that I had. Yeah, yeah, go, go for it. And you can read us out because you, you just, yes, go for it. Okay. Dear pet sitter, I apologize in advance for what you are about to have to do. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But you said yes. And now you'll have to suffer. The dogs need to go outside around 7 a.m. This is caps. Go outside with them and keep yelling at Gertie that you know what she's up to or she will jump the fence. So will Ragno, but he'll come back when you call him. Gertie will make you chase her down the street in your pajamas. Also, let out all the ducks. Don't forget Lewis in the mudroom. And dump a can of duck food in their bowl in metal can and mudroom. Okay, next is the pig. 
Ozzy wakes up when the dogs race past and needs to eat right away. Mix a cup of his powder with enough warm tap water to make a runny paste and open his cage while blocking him or he'll bust right out and race for the dog food, which he likes to eat while sitting in their water bowl. Avoid this as you will quickly run out of towels to dry the floor. Yank his bed out of the cage and stuff his bowl of food in there as quickly as possible while ignoring his screaming. Then put his bed and towel in the washing machine and wash it so it's clean for him at night as he will not fall asleep at night unless he has a clean bed, preferably warm from the dryer. As soon as he's done eating, open his door and send him outside with only Agnes. She's the little dog. Gertie plays too rough with him and he gets very, very upset. Ragno stays in or he will jump the fence and bark at the big pigs. Ozzy and Aggie can stay out and play while you do the rest of the morning stuff. While the pigs eat, open a can of cat food and smash one of Mookie's pills between two spoons, then mix it into the bowl with his fancy feast. Do not throw the can away, at least not until you put it in the foil tray on top of Mookie's cage so Noel, the fluffy black cat, can lick the bottom. Then throw it away or the dogs will get it. This, honest to God, it's, like, it's still like this. The red cat Ferguson, who lives on top of the washing machine, had a bunch of teeth pulled and has to get canned food. He shares a can with Julie three times a day, but while they eat it, close the door to the laundry room or Gertie will jump onto the washing machine and eat everything. Then Julie can go outside. Remember, she's the only cat who can go out. The rest of the cats eat upstairs in the bedroom, in the bathroom. Check food levels. More food is in the plastic trash can next to the bowl. Keep gate at bottom of the stairs closed because if the dogs eat the cat food, they have to go outside to pee all night. Now, I know you're afraid of birds, but wash your hands after handling any other animal because the parrots can be susceptible to germs carried by outside animals. Give the smaller parrot three almonds next to the computer and the larger parrot seven or eight almonds. Then add kibble to their bowls. Do it through the grates if you ever want to use your fingers again. Don't try to do the waters because several of them will escape through the water opening if you take the dish out. Bad, bad, bad. I usually cook them a hot breakfast, but they'll survive for a day or two. Bo will probably, Bo's my daughter, make them an omelet when she watches them. By 8.30, I usually have the dogs in the indoor arena and running. If you want to keep Ragno inside, you have to close the big sliding doors okay. and the gate. <laughs> If if you want to read the if you want to hear yep. the end of this, you're gonna to have to go on her website and find it there. But it's hysterical. Thanks, <laughs> Kathleen. Thank you, Barbara. Listen to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. We'll be right back after this message. Barbara DeLong, host of Nightlight Radio, inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey, exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material, covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between, including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment. Let Nightlight provide you with equal measure of light, love and laughter, insight, wisdom, and inspiration. Monday nights, 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio, at freedomslips.com. Who are we? Where do we come from? Are you curious about the origins of the human race? 
Join me, Gavin McCall, and a variety of guests on Ancient Humans, where we decipher world events, explore scientific